We're going to be wrapping up this morning um, a series that I called Triggered. And uh, how many of you, uh, when I started talking about this series, Triggered, it has to do with offense and being offended. How many of you found that you uh, were finding offense more often? And you know, some of you shot your hand up really fast. Okay. I am going to throw myself under the bus and tell you that I actually began to recognize how much more offensive that I am to people. And it's been really cool. Uh, you know, my wife and I have been receiving emails and text messages and personal comments from people that have, have begun to notice different areas of their lives and how they respond to people in parking lots or in grocery stores or solicitors on the phone. And, uh, and that's, that's just me talking to her. And then all of you guys have also been sharing stuff. So we are all together in this, aren't we? That we all deal with offenses. And, and I'm going to tell you right now that the number one thing I can tell you that we all have in common is we're going to be offended in life. It's going to happen. If, if you're walking through life with people and we're all imperfect, we're going to run into offenses. What do we do with those things, though? So Today, we're going to wrap this up. Probably the best way to follow up uh, this morning is going to be on our Movement Church app. I will tell you that at the end of the service, I'm going to um, walk through five simple steps. And those five simple steps I've put in the app. So at the very bottom of the notes on the app, you can look at these five simple steps for you to walk away with today and spend some time this week doing that I think are really, really important. Of course, if you want to follow along this morning with the Bible, you can always raise your hand and one of our friendly family members in red would love to give you a Bible. I'm not going to read the passage, but I'm just going to re reframe the, the core piece of Scripture in 2 Kings chapter 5 that we've been using is this guy named Naaman. And this guy Naaman uh, was an interesting fellow. He was a great warrior. Uh, he was, we, we know just from this passage, we know that he was wealthy. He had money. And one thing that he had going kind of against him was, was that he had leprosy. And his king, who he served, made a deal with him and said, I'll send this letter with you and you can go to the king of Israel and we're going to see if we can get you healed. Because... I want to see you healed, and I know that you want to be healed, Naaman. So he gives him this letter, and Naaman goes, and he brings a little over $5.1 million. And, and today's money, that's quite a sum of money. And we know that doesn't exhaust Naaman's resource, so we know that Naaman was quite wealthy. And as the story goes, the king of Israel says, I, I can't do it. I'm like, who am I, God? I can't heal you. And the prophet Elisha in Israel at the time, here's what's going on. And so Naaman goes to Elisha's house, and Elisha doesn't even come out of the house. And Naaman shows up with an entourage of people. He says he shows up with horses and chariots and all these people. And keep in mind, he's got a letter from the king, and he's got a little over $5.1 million, and Elisha doesn't even come out of the house to greet him. And that, in and of itself, could be really offensive. And I would feel kind of disrespected if I was Naaman. In fact, Naaman responds in an offensive manner and he gets angry and he decides he doesn't want to listen to what's being said and so he storms off like a two-year-old. Not that any of us have ever responded that way as adults.
And ultimately, Naaman did one thing that I think was his best decision in this story. And he decided to listen to his servants. And his servants gave him some feedback and said, Hey, Naaman, this is my terminology because this is how I read my Bible. Hey, Naaman, quit being a knucklehead. Because I think God speaks to me that way sometimes. I think you're being a knucklehead. If you would just listen, right? If you would just listen to what I'm saying, it seems so, in fact, it's, it seems oversimplified. How many times in this passage, the servants say, like, if, if, if Elisha gave you some crazy great thing that you had to do, you would go do it. But because it's so simple, you're discarding it, you won't even listen. But sometimes it's in the simple solutions that bring the deepest change. And would you just listen? So Naaman listens to the feedback. He goes down to the water of the Jordan River and he washes seven times. And lo and behold, he's healed. And I think the Father's heart, God, as our Creator, as a Father, His heart for us today is that we would walk into and understand the remedy of offense. Because He too wants us to be able to bathe in the waters of His goodness. and He wants us to walk restored. If we're willing to listen to what may seem like the oversimplified approach that I'm about to show you, and let us not fall victim to having to jump through some great hoops because of the great offenses that we need to overcome. The first thing, and there's five things we're going to talk about today. I call them the five R's. <clears throat> I was joking last service and I said, this is Pastor Pat's pirate's approach with the five R's. To overcoming offense. Now I say that and you laugh, but there is a better chance that you're not going to forget these things because I made a joke. Right? So I want you to say it, the five R's. Okay. It's amazing what you can get people to do. <clears throat> I had a bet with myself and I won. I'm joking. No, yeah, yes. He is our shepherd, yes. Number one, we need to recognize. Now, over the last handful of weeks, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest to you, in fact, I would highly suggest to you that if this is the first Sunday you've heard this, if you're listening online right now, or you're sitting here and this is the first time you've heard this, I would highly recommend that you go back and listen to the weeks running up to this. We have it on our YouTube channel. You can go back and watch it. It's super simple. It's going to give you some really good context for the, for the runway, the on-ramp to today. A handful of weeks ago, I talked about some signs that you and I might be partnering with offense. And this is important because sometimes I feel like in my own life, I go, well, I'm not offended. But then when I start holding up my actions against something to, to give me an accurate reflection, I realize, well, oh, wow, I'm wildly offended. So here's some signs, and I'm just going to go through these very quickly. These I've taught over two weeks. I've taught these 10 things. Number one, if I'm feeling a sense of entitlement, I might be offended. If I'm feeling frustrated, I might be offended. If I feel like I have to control the situation, I might be actually offended. If I feel like I need to separate myself, I don't need you. I'm good on my own. I'm better off without you. I might be offended. If I'm quick to get angry, if respect is a big thing, if I demand respect, if I feel like I've been disrespected, 
Naaman felt this way. I might be carrying offense. Uh, gossip, huge. If you feel the need, please, 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 family. This is a big one. Um, and I gave you some, some, some trick, kind of trick language that we use, especially in church. Like, I'm just an external processor, um, and I was seeking counsel from some Christian friends. I mean, you were gossiping about me. Can I? Is it a, wow, that one, like, <laughs> it was like, ha, ha. Yeah, I just need to vent. That was the other one. <laughs> I just needed to vent to everyone and on Facebook. Criticism begins to look like uh, criticism. Let me, let me back up. Criticism, let's define this very quickly. Criticism is if I'm bringing criticism, it's my attempt to make myself appear better by making you appear worse. Feedback to a person who's carrying offense looks strangely and strikingly similar, but feedback, its whole goal is to lift you up and help you become better. We all need feedback. But when I'm carrying offense, feedback looks like criticism. And I will feel like everyone's always criticizing me. And then general defensiveness. If you just get defensive about everything. if I've, I mean, I, I walked with this one. This was a huge one for me. Now, and I also want to tell you, uh, as I walk through these five R's, this is, the, this is the first one, recognize. As I walk through this, the, uh, by and large, this is all a reflection of me walking through this in my own life. It's not because I haven't walked through this or dealt with any of these things. So a lot of the things you hear me make fun of, I'm really making fun of myself. I get my material from my own life. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're picking up what I'm putting down, okay. So number one, recognize. So those are the signs, and very simply, I'm gonna ask myself, you're gonna ask yourself, are there signs that I'm possibly partnering with offense and I have become offended? Step one is to recognize, and you're gonna ask yourself this question. Do I see any of these signs in my life? And is it possible that I've partnered with offense? Number two, you're going to take time to reflect. Number two, reflect. Psalms 139.23 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This is important because I want to tell you that when we take time to reflect, it's not a quick reflection like, hmm, yeah, nope. Nothing there. It's not a question that, I, that I'm recommending that you answer in a split second or five minutes. In fact, what I would recommend doing is during this reflection period that you sit down and you don't try to prescribe a time. Like, okay, I'm going to take one minute and I'm going to God search my heart for one minute. And then after that, like it's a, and you set your like, you know, stopwatch on your iPhone and you just sit there and then it starts, okay, God, nope, nothing wrong with me. I gave God a minute. Second Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So we see here this, this moment where we're offering ourselves up to God. And we're saying, search my heart. And we also see this exercise of, I need to, I need to have some self-examination. So this is partnership. 
God, search my heart and I'm going to be examining. But the goal is that I want to be able to reflect and I want to be able to determine a couple things. Now, here's what we're trying to determine as we let God search our heart and as we examine ourselves. Uh, number one, what is the offense that I'm partnering with? What is the offense that I'm partnering with? These are the questions, very specific. Is this a new offense? Or is this coming from a previous unresolved pain from my past? Here's why this is, this is key. There are a lot of times that on the surface, something is done to you or me, and we're actually not that deeply offended by whatever happens today. That that thing is not actually that big of a deal. Have you ever experienced this before? Something very minor happens, but you're, it's a minor offense with a major response. Why is there a major response from a minor offense? Because sometime in my past, okay, again, here's just the reality for us. We were all born and at some point from our birth to where you sit today, you've gone through multiple moments of offense probably in your life. Things that have happened to you, words that have been said, actions that have been taken against you. And you've had an opportunity every time one of those things happens to either discard that or to pick it up. Scripture said offenses will come and go. Week one, we talked about this. The offense will come and it will go. But what happens is we, as it's coming and going, we stop and we grab it and we like ooh and awe ah over it because it's the shiny new object in our life. And we make partnership with it. And now we're offended, we're carrying it. So if I go through my life and I'm carrying even the smallest things, and if I told you from the, from the time you're born, if you just started dropping little pebbles in your pockets, by the time you hit, I'm 46 years old, by the time I hit 46 years old, I wouldn't be able to carry all of the, all of the rocks that I've accumulated over my lifetime. Can I tell you that if you put me on the scale of life and you decided to add one small rock, it might be the tipping point. It's the straw that broke the... It's not the offense today that's the problem. It's the offenses that you've been holding on to from all of your past pain that was never resolved. So what we need to do is we need to reflect and we need to figure this out because those are the root issues. Okay, my husband or my wife or my boss or the person on the 78 freeway or whoever it is that deeply offended you probably isn't the issue. There's probably some things that are root issues that are coming from something else. And what happens if we walk through this process of trying to remedy the offenses in our lives and we try to, okay, I'm going to say, I'm married, so this is the context I'm going to speak in, okay? If I try to remedy my wife, if I try to fix her, but I don't deal with the root because that's my offense, or she tries to fix me, and we don't deal with the root offenses in our life, we will always address the fruit, but never the root. And if you don't address the root and the soil, you will always grow the same fruit. That's why in life, you could walk through this and you could take time to reflect. You should, oh, I reflected, but I keep bearing the same fruit. I keep growing the same bad apples. I would tell you, there's a certain sense of wisdom that I've gained, and I would tell you, that's because you've been dealing with some surface things, but we've never gotten to the root issues. 
We got to get to the root. That's why reflection is important. Does this make sense? Now, this is why you want to do this. Here's, here, here's a key for you guys. And I, this was big for me in my life. You have to name the offense that you're partnering with. You have to. You have to name the offense. Here's why. You can never change what you cannot name. You can't do it. If something is broken and you don't know what's broken, all you know is there's, there's water that's leaking everywhere and it's coming out somewhere and it's pouring out into your backyard. You have to be able to find that specific area and name it. It's the sprinkler behind the palm tree that sits just so like this. And now I name it. It's the sprinkler that's the product. You guys following me? Chances are the name of your offense is not the person sitting next to you. It's not your child. It's something deeper and you've got to name it. Number three, refuse. So we're going to recognize, reflect. Number three, we're going to refuse. Romans 12.2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love this passage. It starts out by saying what? Do not conform. That is a statement of refusal. I could read it like this. Refuse to conform. Refuse the patterns of this world. Refuse the language that society wants you and I to take on when it comes to offense. Refuse to allow yourself to be offended when everyone around you tells you you should be offended by that. We have to refuse to partner with the pattern of destruction that offense brings. We define week one, offense has one purpose and it's to destroy. And in that destruction, it will use division. So what does offense want to, really its, it's chief goal is to destroy. And, and, and in, that, in that destructive process, it happens by creating division. It separates you and I. It separates us from God. In that separation, there's destruction. In the separation in our relationships, there's destruction. The enemy, doesn't, the enemy doesn't want us to refuse this. Satan does not want us to refuse. Satan wants us to conform to the patterns of this world. Because as long as Satan has us conforming and we don't stand in a position of refusal, we will continue to walk as a society polarized and in our corners, fighting and arguing over things that to us are more important or the most important things, and we're losing the war in trying to win the battles. This is where we stand in 2019. This is a news flash for some of you, maybe. But the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are not going to save our country. Stop voting for them as if they are saviors. The key to this passage comes right after it says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. But it says, be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. See, popular thought says you need to partner with the fence. Popular language tells me that I need to stand offended. So when I refuse, I need to refuel my mind by renewing my mind. Okay, I'm going to explain this. I have a lot of kids. We won't get into how many. And something I've learned as a parent with young kids, kids at this age where everything they see they want, and the first thing they want to do is grab that and put that where? In their mouth. Which is part of how God designed us, by the way. And so sometimes your kids get a hold of things they shouldn't put in their mouth. It's a little bit dangerous for them. You're like, oh no, you shouldn't be chewing on that. And, or you shouldn't be playing with that or whatever the reason is. And so you take that toy from, or sometimes not a toy, sometimes a dangerous object. If not that I'm admitting I'm a bad parent, but it happens. I'm just saying. And you take that object. What happens when you take that object from, from a small child? They cry. Do you know what I've learned? That in me refusing as a parent to allow my child to play with something that's dangerous, I can refuel their little spirit by giving them something else. I replace it. And you and I need to replace the language of this world that's destructive with the language of a living God. And when we do, it refuels us. And it allows us to stand in partnership with the refusal because we've actually refueled our mind and we need our, our mind renewed. I want, I, I want to see transformation in my I want to see transformation in your life. And I will tell you that transformation doesn't happen anywhere else but here. Because when it happens here, then it then it can make the 18-inch journey to here. There is more power lying between your ears and behind your eyeballs that the world doesn't even know yet how powerful the, the mind is. That there's so much that you and I hang on to. Think about this. You hang on to the one thing that was said against you negatively and that one thing will overshadow the 10,000 things that someone could encourage you with. That tells you the power of your mind. That tells you the power of refusing. Now this is why this is important that I replace the language of this world with the language of God. Because when something happens to you or something happens to me, this is the question I ask. Is that what God says about me? Does God think this about me? So it gives me the strength and the ability to stand in the face of, of offense and you can say whatever you now. I'm a work in progress because you can't stand and say whatever you want. I can't promise that because I'm human. Okay, we're talking about perfection. I'm not perfect. Okay, so I'm telling you, like that. That's going to challenge me. But in that challenge, I have I have weaponry to be able to stand. And as you throw the insults and the offense at me, as as this happens, I'm not saying you, but if if that was happening. I have the ability to, to simply ask this question. Is that what God says about me? Is that what God thinks about me? And by the way, we too often place too much weight on what they say. 
and not on what God says. We spend more time worrying about what our friends and our family think and what our little faux community on social media platforms think about us and what God actually thinks and says about us. Number four, repent. Matthew 7, 3 through 5, it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Let me read that again. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's the question. Do I need to repent? There's two sides to this. Do I need to repent because I've offended somebody? Do I need to repent because I've offended somebody? Now here, here's one that got me, and I this was this this is a huge this is a huge corner for a lot of us. And this is one that I have to work on really, really diligently. See, it's easy for me to go, man, I've offended you. I need to go to you and I need to repent. Here's the learning curve. When you've offended me, do I need to go to you and repent? What? Yeah, you heard me right. When you have offended me, do I need to go to you and repent for holding you in a place of unforgiveness, holding you accountable, and making your word against me mightier than the word of God? Do I need to repent for my bitterness towards you? This is huge. There have been times in my life that I've been deeply offended by, by people. And I learned this lesson firsthand. And, and, and this is a real-life example here. I was deeply offended. And it went years. By the way, there was years lost of a friendship. That today, I, I, I wish were never lost. In fact, I look back and I think the whole reason that I was offended was so petty. It was ridiculous. And I hit this point, and, and all the while, see, in my mind, I was demanding that this person, because I was offended, they should come to me and repent. Whoa, right? That statement right there is a sinful statement. I am not their judge. I'm not here to fix them or, or modify their behavior. So what ended up happening is, is that God softened my heart over time. He broke my heart, and I went to this person, and I said, hey, I need to apologize, and I need to ask you to forgive me. I think I've been way too harsh. It's ruined our relationship, and I just, I need, I need, I need to repent. The demeanor, the person, like, softens. Their head drops. Pat, I'm so deeply sorry. 
I value our relationship way too much. I wish, I wish we never would have had to have walked through this. The humility that it takes for us to be able to look at one another and say, you know what? It's really easy for me to see the log in your eye. But it's sometimes really difficult to understand that maybe I'm walking and holding on to things. Or maybe, maybe I am holding you accountable because of past offenses and that's not your fault. Repentance works for both sides. The key here is we need to seek in our own hearts where we need to repent before we decide that we need to rebuke. And I'm telling you, family, in my life, I've been quick to rebuke. I've been very quick to find what's wrong in other people's hearts and lives. And accurately, very accurately speak to those things. But it's been damaging. Because I was approaching them with a little bit of offense and pride in my heart. And really what I was after and what God wants us after is restoration, which is number five. The whole goal of walking through this is to bring us to a place of restoration. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. and Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues... Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So what this passage tells me is that I can clothe myself in offense, or I can clothe myself in all these virtues. But the number one choice of clothing that I should put on, above compassion and humility and patience, the number one thing I should clothe myself with is love. Because it actually wraps all of it together. It presents it well. It tells us to bear with each other and forgive one another. This, this, this terminology to bear with means to endure. It means to suffer. I love this. It means to put up with. How many times in my life, if I reflect back to the point just before where I need to look at the speck in my own eye, how many times in my life have people been putting up with me? But when it's time for me to put up with them, boy, I'm going to tell you where you've got it wrong. And what happens is, is that I'm not actually bringing restoration. My heart is more for retribution. I want revenge. And I'm telling you right now that God's heart this morning is to take what you and I perceive as broken, where you think the enemy has got victory in your relationships and in your life where there's brokenness from your past and God wants to restore those things. He wants to bring you to a new place that you never thought possible before. See, restoration is forgiveness. 
Jesus, he put up with me by putting on love. This scripture is telling us, hey, would you put up, would you just put up with one another? Would you endure? Now, I require a lot more endurance for the people around me. And it may be more suffering. But this passage is saying, hey, could you stop for one second and quit trying to argue your side of the coin? Would you understand that both of us involved probably have valid reasons to be arguing from our standpoint? Someone wise once told me, there are always two sides to the story, and then there's the truth. And they pulled a coin out of their pocket, and they said, there are two sides to this coin. And if you flip that coin on its side, that center line is the truth. And by the way, you and I do not have the ability to bring the truth. Only Jesus does. We have to, family, come to a place where we're willing to forgive. But Pat, you don't understand. My brother said such and such, and then they took me to court, and then they, they said these things about me, and then all this, and then they fired, and then I, I, and then they gave that person a promotion, and they passed me up, and then I, I, that parking space was mine. Are you with me this morning? Jesus endured. So can you. Jesus put up with. So can you. Jesus suffered. So can you and I. Because his goal is to cover our offense by putting on love. To restore the relationship that was broken. If you feel like this morning you're in a relationship that's too far past restoration, I'm here to tell you there's nothing, there's nothing that can outrun the restorative hand of Jesus Christ. Nothing. I am a walking example of this family. Some of you are tired. I said this last week. Some of you are tired. I think growing tired to a certain point is good because what it does is, is it stops you from fighting because you just don't have the strength anymore. So you should stop fighting. God this morning is asking you to lay your heart down. He's asking you to open it up and say, God, will you search my heart here this morning? Because I refuse to partner any longer. And I want to break any agreement that I have with these offenses because I want to walk in a restored relationship with you and with the people that the enemies tried to divide my life with. And I will tell you that 
right outside of restoration is refreshing. Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent. Return. Times of refreshing. Why don't we stand this morning? If you, if you utilize our app, I highly suggest it. At the bottom of my notes on this morning, uh, on the sermon notes, I have five very easy steps for you to walk through. Now, basically, I just took the five R's and I broke it down for you very quickly. Number one, am I partnering with an offense? You need to answer that question. Number two, the name or the names, because it might be multiple, of the offense or the offenses that I've partnered with are, and then you write those down. Write them down. Now, I told you last week, you got to be prepared to do the work. God brought the supernatural healing, but Naaman had to bring himself to the water. And Naaman was the one who did the washing. It was God that brought the miracle. Number three, I gave you a declaration of refusal. It sounds something like this. You're going to name the offense. You have to name it. So I'll make it personal. Abuse, I refuse to partner with you. And I break all agreements there have been with you. The power and authority. In Jesus' name. You have to name it. four, I have two prayers for you that you can spend time. One is if you've offended somebody, you can pray this prayer. If you've been offended, you can pray that prayer. And number five, a declaration of restoration. It says, Father, I promise I promise to exercise endurance with others the way that you've endured for me. I am a weapon of restoration against Satan's destructive plan to bring division through offense. If you're willing to do the work, there is a remedy. God wants you to be free, restored, and refreshed. Let's pray.
as I wrap up this morning, if you need prayer, this is hitting you in your heart. I can sense it in my own heart. Come forward. Get prayer. Don't leave here. Don't let this go on any longer. Don't let it linger. For the rest of us, Lord, that we would be able to walk through a week, that we would take these five simple things, that we would exercise these things. Let us not overlook them like Naaman was getting ready to, as too simple. Pat, you don't understand how deep, you don't understand how hard it was. You don't understand the level of hurt. You don't understand what was done to me. I do understand. I might understand more than you think. Don't overlook it. God, help us to run to you. Help us to run to your feet. Help us to run to you as a loving father who wants to fix what's broken, who wants to restore and refresh us. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for what you've done. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen.